You are listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that Chris's daughter is going to someday finish for us in an incredibly insulting manner. I'm your host, Fletcher Arnett, and with me is... Chris Taylor. Matt was, uh, busy. Could not be here. I'm gonna assume he's busy. For what it's worth, we would also later find out that we were recording this in the middle of Hanukkah, so that's on us. I guess I won't pull out the hand puppet then. I made a little Kermit-style mat for this. I have one for you, but you look like Bert. The best part about doing, like, being like a Muppeteer must be when you get to just, like, throw them from off screen. Yes. (laughs) As someone who has done actual puppeteering work, yes. Just no more strings on me. (sighs) I like when they get thrown out of the bus or whatever. There's a move you can do where you basically just do, like, the wavy tube man thing with your arm, and it just rolls them off. It's pretty good. Hell yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking about Matt's Muppet. Today we're talking about Cyborg 009, the Cyborg Soldier's final OVA, Conclusion, God's War, Prologue. Yes, Uh, you did just hear two colons. I can do this in two minutes. What if we had a cool premise... And tried to do it in three OVAs, where there was no connecting tissue between events, when this could have been a cool ten episode arc. But as a result, it's a confusing mess with good, the best animation in the series in it. Only in one of the three episodes. Some of the stuff in the first two is rough. Yeah, but but also, the fight is so good. The reason that is, is because that's the only episode that did not get rushed for TV, and so they made it DVD exclusive and polished it up. It's nice. Um, the premise is cool. I I would I would like this if there was just a tiny bit of connective tissue. It is impossible. I watched this and have no idea what happened. So I have an actual loose summary of the final version of this series that came out six years later if you want to hear it afterwards i do okay uh i i get that the ending is a huge wet fart yeah so when we left off last time the yomi arc ended in a way that caused spectacular fan backlash why it was good i know yeah but fans Hated it. Again, the editorial staff were also very confused. They went, I don't know, this seems kind of like the only way it can end us. Oh, dude, fucking... Okay, fans of everything are awful. I hate them. Yeah. No, 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 I I entirely agree with you. I really think that Closer is the perfect capstone to the series. Even though I like some stories that came later once it started getting more one-off-y. Never respond to your fans like the Mass Effect thing. The Mass Effect endings were fine. It was never going to be the thing you wanted. It was impossible. But the thing they did was way worse. And then there's the thing they did this week. What did they do this week? Uh, They put out two Bioware trailers at the Keeleys, and one of them simply is just showing you the ruins of the Milky Way and Liara, like, digging parts of your corpse off an icy planet, and then it goes, Mass Effect will continue. Uh, Fuck Liara! Liara sucks ass! What a bad character! 
I will not tell my incredibly insensitive Liara story on the recording just because I have been lambasted for it before. All, but, I'm, uh, all I'm saying, don't get the, fu- get the fuck out of here with that blueberry muffin shit. Oh my god, I don't really want a blueberry muffin because we're recording this in the morning. It's not the Dude, I really want... I just like a nice fruit muffin every once in a while. A banana nut? I can do a banana nut. Oh, I do have a... We have some good-ass banana bread in here. Uh, exactly. It is the most enormous loaf my wife has ever made. It's like eight inches wide. <laughs> Yo, I would <laughs> fuck with that. It is a hefty lad. I have been making a bunch of pies for Christmas. And one thing I'm going to try is a cranberry tart soon. Just a full-sized curd tart. I'm going to see how that works. Hell yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, Ishinomori starts trying to write a new ending, and he kicks this plan off in 1969 with an arc called Angels. And then he gets writer's block, and so the story just stops and it jumps into something else. Later that year, he starts a second attempt. He calls it Battle with the Gods. And then, unfortunately, Joe cannot defeat Beerus, so they don't end this, and he starts writing a bunch of one-offs and smaller things for a while. That's right, I made a Dragon Ball joke. That's okay, I would have made an Angels in the Outfield joke when he put the Angels arc in the outfield and started over. Uh, Funny you should say that, because Christopher Lloyd will play into this story. I don't know who Christopher Lloyd is. Uh, Doc Brown from Back to the Future. He was also in one of the Angels of the Outfield remakes. Okay. That was the joke. Okay. What kind of 80s kid are you, Chris? Uh, One that was born in 1989. Ah, that explains it. You're one of them Ren and Stimpy kids. Okay. Ren and Stimpy is bad. You're one of them Rugrats kids. Happy? Rugrats I liked, but is also bad in retrospect. Children's animation, bad. There has not been good children's TV until like the 2000s when they said, what if we made good stuff for children to watch? Like, do not forget that Rugrats has the fucking Israelite special. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild how openly Jewish they were allowed to be on Rugrats. Dr. Lipschitz is very funny, though. I'm not gonna lie. That is a joke that has definitely hit me way harder as an adult than once I finally realized everything that was going into it. I thought the whole joke as a kid was, he said shit. Nope. The joke is that you're yep. ther- you pay your therapist to not shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I had a lot of wild fun revisiting that for another animation show recently. You know, the Rugrats might actually be funny now that I think about it. It just looks like dog shit. Klasky Chupo makes some of the ugliest character designs in animation, but it's kind of why I love them. They are never, ever smoothing the edges off their horrible mashed potato people. It's it's wild. Their most commercial shows are Ah Real Monsters, where a bunch of lumpy beasts live in the sewer. A guy keeps his eyes in his armpits! Yeah, and Rocket Power, where... Everyone still looks melted, but they're now Hawaiian melted, and they, like, don't have weird squiggle vision shit going on for the first time ever. What I'll say, the only good children's TV show of that era that holds up today was Hey Arnold. I'll agree. I will give you that one. I went to see that movie in theaters when I was way too old for it. Hell yeah. 
because one of my buddies did not bring his fucking ID when we went to go see the Resident Evil movie. And so we, we had to figure out what he could get into. And so we went to see Hey Arnold the movie. That's Look, not a joke. My mother likes children's movies. So I was 18 and saw the Santa Claus 3. Sorry, the Santa Claus 3 with my mother in theaters. At ah, age you devil 18. May cry. Yeah. I just realized that I have seen that. It's a strange movie. Also, how many third movies in a children's franchise involve a villain time traveling to try and undo the first few movies? A there's lot the of Santa them. Claus, the there's Home Alone. Cinderella. Also good. Yes. Uh if we want to get technical back to the future. Anyway, know. I don't think Back to the Future is very good. I'm sorry. That's fine. Do I, have I, zero do I seem like it. I'm going to fight you on that? <sighs> so, this That's is why Matt about a podcast. To this That's the best part about a podcast. No one can tell you you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly why we need a straight man, because the two of us just... This well, happens. Look, I can already tell you that we're going to cover this 90 minutes of animation in about 40 minutes, but I would like this episode to be an hour, so we're just getting it in early. So, over 27 years, he puts together the skeleton of what he will call uh, God's War. But in August 97, he starts putting together the notes and production on this final arc. His goal is that he's going to do all this prep work now so that he can produce both a light novel and a manga adaptation of it when 2000 rolls around. That's his goal. Also in August 1997, Shotaro Ishinomori has lymphoma. He will barely make it to the year 1998 before his heart fails and he dies. So, my dude had been prepping for over half a year at this point. He's left a bunch of notes, more than a few manuscripts for the work. It's all first drafts, but he's he's planned ahead. This whole thing is knowing that he's going to die, and his will even left stipulations for God's War. They went so far as to designate a pinch hitter to close the storyline out, Kazuhiko Shimamato, who he had worked with on adaptations of his old properties and was quite fond of, and a magazine for it to be published in when the time came, Comics Alpha, so that nobody would be fighting over the rights to the final 009 story. This is where everything goes to shit, because before the year 2000, Comic Alpha goes defunct, and the will can't be completed to specifications. So, enter Joe Onodera, Ishinomori's son. Oh no! This does yes. have powerful children of Huron energy. Yes! Yeah, so, <laughs> Ishinomori's son decides that, fuck that Shimamoto guy, I've talked to my father the most, I'm the best candidate for the job, and... He claims that he and his father had spoken about it often while he was working on it, and as the person in control of the estate, he's got the notes and the manuscripts for guidance. Nothing can go wrong. Narrator voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything goes wrong is literally the next note, because not only does cutting Shimamoto out draw criticism, we literally have in the public Ishinomori's notes, more than a few of which get published in art books or collections of the series, and which point out that Onodera decided to depart from the text more than a little. One of the easiest examples of this is sum up is Joe goes, 
Well, I basically made up all of Chang's chapter, Dad didn't leave me much, and then one of these books later publish a skeletal but complete outline of his entire story. Yikes. Yeah, like, it's some of the most public hoisting I've ever seen, is how much this dude was lying about, no, no, I'm I'm finishing it, and then all the notes are released in later publications, and it's like, oh, Oh, you ignored that, you changed that. Cool, cool, we've got a whole roadmap to what you fucked up. <laughs> like, imagine if Brian Herbert had written this whole thing, and then someone just goes, Hey, Frank left me his notebooks, and here's where this was actually going. Turns out it wasn't, uh, you have to write the Butlerian Jihad, buddy. So, Onadera was also... Was okay. If it stood alone, I'd probably be okay with it. Those prequel ones are way less jarring to me. I think we discussed this last time. Hmm. Uh, Anadero was also nowhere near as prolific as his father. And I suppose I should point out, because someone's probably going, why do you keep calling him Onodera? Ishinomori was a pen name. Technically, his father was Shotaro Onodera, but he only went by that for working. So that's just how I name him. The self-insert here, even though it's not really a self-insert because the son did it, looks exactly like yeah. what you expect a manga artist to look like. <laughs> so the hilarity on that is the anime adapted it based on what he looked like around the time of his death, which is kind of a cruel <laughs> touch. Because Ishinomori like you know, did most the of the art for this. Yeah. Like, Ishinomori wrote this going, yeah, around the 70s I, that I was going to have this vision and then be thinking about the question. And so he drew just sort of like, kind of like how Toriyama and a couple other artists do, where it's like a little sort of chibi caricature of themselves in their prime. That was what he drew, and it was going to appear for one thing. My my favorite of those is the Ano one in uh, Ideon. It's very goofy. Yes. I, you mean Tomino? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. No, Anno's are great. Anno's wife draws this brutal caricature of him that she's used in some of her manga. Yikes. Basically, imagine, yeah. Imagine, like, Tall Gendo. <laughs> That's what he looks like <laughs> in her style. Yeah. Tall, tall Gendo is a very powerful phrase. Bigger Gendo theory. Oh no. Never <laughs> never talk to me or my smaller me ever again. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um Onodera was not his father in terms of work ethic, so in the middle of production, there's a giant hiatus between volumes of the story because he's clearly remembering more as he goes along. None of that is going to matter today because this three-episode OVA decides it is going to do nothing with the ongoing crisis about who gets to finish the story and does kind of a best-of-both-worlds take based on the original Aborted Angels arc. And so it ends abruptly without giving any hints as to where the story was going to go. Weirdly enough, Ishinomori's younger son, Akira Anadera, was a producer at this animation studio, and he said, yeah, we, we're hoping that after this is all done, 
we can take this team, we can make an actual direct-to-video OVA finale spinning off of this God's War thing. Nobody ever spoke of this again. I don't know. They have a satisfactory ending, I think. Like, well, they have an acceptable ending. Not that I find it personally satisfying that there's, like, this eternal time struggle in a time bubble, I think, is what's happening. Sort of. Um... I guess before we get into this, I would like to get out of the way that mm -hmm. I have found Cyborg 009 more fun to think about than to watch or make a podcast about. I have retroactively enjoyed thinking about it because I don't have to consider it as like an artistic work like I do when I make the podcast about it. I very much think that... I could sell you on this harder if there were an easy way for me to go, here's some good runs of this, or I'll send you a volume of this to flip through. I bet it would be good to read. Yeah. I think the pacing works a lot better in that regard. And I am waiting until the two current 009, because, spoiler, literally this year they return to making manga for this series. I'm glad that we've been cursed yet again. Yeah. Um, it has... There is both Cyborg 009 versus 8-Man, which, boy, those are some throwbacks for people who are my age. Did you say 8-Man? 8-Man, as in the, the letter 8. What is that? 8-Man is an old 80s series that I actually never remember what eight man's deal is because i always think of eat man the guy who can devour anything and then make it come out of his body mm, yeah like that guy in my hero academia got it uh it wouldn't surprise me that academia is basically just pillaging old dead manga series yeah yeah, there's a guy who does that, like, he'll eat some octopus, and then he'll do, like, have giant tentacle arms during a fight. It's pretty cool. I had to double-check the name of it, because, boy, I still love this every time I see it. The other new ongoing Cyborg 009 series is entitled Cyborg 009 Bagoo Parts Delete. Okay. Moving on. It's a name. <laughs> it's a name. Look, all I'm saying is, even Tetsuya Nomura wouldn't call a Kingdom Hearts game that. Well, this is also a third dude touching the property after all of this mess. So, the OVA itself, we can go pretty quick on this, because for 80 plus minutes, not a lot happens. That, that bums me out, because, like, the premise is I know. cool. I I wish this were a little more strung together, or they had given it five episodes. Five I, probably would have given you some meat. I feel like you could do ten and include the fight and a little bit of what happens after, and have like like a sh a mini season that is the end, and that would be very cool. So how because much of it? was written at this point in 2002 is the big question. Yeah. Or at like, least was publicly known. What I'm saying is, like, you could... I'm imagining an ideal version of this where you could do 
like a couple slice of life episodes in the arc where um Himiko is like basically world ruler. I look forward to hearing your response to what the actual manga and light novels went with. Yeah, the like again, I can only guess based off of what I think the plot is because it's not very clear. Yeah, after we're done with this recap, I want to hear your guess before I read the actual notes I took. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we kick off, Dr. Gilmore appears to an ailing Shotaro Ishinomori and tells him, the cyborgs are real people, actually, and he's been Ivan has been broadcasting some of their trials into his brain as an inspiration. This but, does start with some powerful anti-Semitism, by the way. That knows it can't be. Yes. <laughs> I I am debating using that as the screenshot just because it's such a wild one. Especially putting those words in the creator's mouth. Yeah. Oh my god. No human would look like this. Only my beastly Dr. Kilmore. <laughs> uh but Gilmore's pleading with him and going, um, so there's a real problem coming up, and it would be great if you could write us a happy ending. And this is a theme that comes in every version of this is all of the contact with the Shinomori parts are basically going, okay, we've been giving you our life stories, but also could you, the guy who is earlier in our history, write us a way out? It's very meta. So when is this supposed to happen? In this, this version... Is Neo-Black Ghost? Uh, okay, so... I will pull in some stuff that is not in this OVA. In the... Like, the finished arc, they basically say that they've been... Like, this first conversation happens around the 70s, and... They basically say that the stories happened, but they're not giving him one-for-one one details. So, like, in our world, the Vietnam arc happened in some way involving the cyborgs, but maybe it went down in a little more grounded fashion. And, like, there's a joke that, like, Jet does not actually have that name, but, like, the cyborgs have kind of started taking to calling each other by the names he made up for them, because it's like, you named Francois after an actress you liked once in a movie, dude. That's not her name. So, and it's, it's what I'm asking yeah. is, narratively, when do we go from the plot of Cyborg 009 to Joe being on a boat on a scientific expedition? When in the Cyborg the 009 is that... What part of the Cyborg 009 story is that supposed to happen in? The stuff that takes place in the series happens in what would have been the future at the time of writing. The 2010s is when all of the stuff starts kicking off in our world. It's after Black Ghost has been destroyed permanently and everyone has kind of gone their own ways and has settled down into a normal life. So this is actually a full-on retcon where Joe and Jet live rather than saying this is a alternate timeline branch off of some point in the narrative. 
we're not clear on whether this is after the retcon happens, like they got fixed up after. We just know Black Ghost is gone in our future, according to this story. Okay, I will choose to believe it happens before the Neo-Black Ghost arc then, because that makes way more sense than a massive retcon. Yeah, it's it's really ambiguous, especially with how many hands it goes through before the finished version. Yeah, that's very dissatisfying to me. Like, I could be down for an alternate ending if it connected. I think you might like some of the first part of this story when we get there. So, the whole thing kicks off when Joe accompanies a scientist and his daughter to an island where they've dug up a weird Moai statue. The daughter, Hisui, becomes possessed by the statue and dubs herself Queen Himiko, starting to conquer Japan through supernatural brainwashing. Everyone on the team gets embroiled in this when mythos-esque events begin happening across the globe, kind of dragging them all back in. Then, all of a sudden, uh, a creature that will only be described as an angel summons all of the team to a black void and gets very Kingdom Hearts as it reveals the darkness in their hearts to them and turns them into some sort of raging brutes. This is the part you hated the most, because we jumped from this to, why not describe it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, we go from this to all of a sudden Joe is getting beaten up by bikers in the woods in a different outfit? Yeah. Like, how did we get here? What happened? Who knows? And, like, the angel thing was unclear because you don't see it, and it's just a hard cut. There's not, like, a lead-in to it, so everything is very perplexing, because you're hard-cutting from place to place to place with no explanation of what happened. It's wild, and I had the context, so I knew this is supposed to be you first. I'm not trying, I'm not, like, dragging this, because the plot is less good when I say there's no plot. It's that there's, like, no plot. You have to try to completely figure out what happens in these rapid cuts in order to make any sense of what is ha- what you're seeing. Yeah, we go to Joe being wrecked in the woods by a biker gang, but what you're supposed to take away from this is Joe has become a reckless thug and he started this fight? And what? this I- will become clearer... Yeah. Like, at some point, Francois just says, don't worry about it. I can see the future now. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And that's also not entirely correct. Ah, fuck it. Like, how does he get to East? Why is he fighting birds on Easter Island? I thought that was a dream until they called back to it later. Because how did he get there? Why is he there? Why are there birdmen with spears fighting? And then why are there... Oh my god, dude. It's none of it makes sense. I you have to watch this to believe it. It is unbelievable. Like not not hyperbolic. Literally unbelievable. It's like a mood board that you watch for 90 minutes. There's a scene where Geronimo Jr. is just meditating in the woods. And suddenly, the spirits of the earth are talking to him in little girl voices, <laughs> telling him. 
That was the best response I could have expected to laying that out. He just... He, the spirits are like, oh, you've changed. You're not the same Native American Wonder Man that we knew. And then he goes, shut up, and punches over a tree. And then the scene ends. And we're off yes. somewhere else to GB being, like, drunkenly passed out in a stage play. Where he melts, he melts into a puddle, and then we cut away from that. It's... To like Shang is like doing how Goku eats, but mad. Yeah, Chang is like a, a raging Goku just becoming a raw glutton trying to devour his way through the history of Chinese cuisine. That's, it, I did wild. like a lot. Four thousand years and you can't make anything that tastes good. <laughs> yes. And to sum this up, this scene up, Chang straight up lights men on fire who are serving him, and then he has become so fat his chair collapses, and he gets knocked out. And that's where the scene ends. That's unbelievable. This was... This is all real. We're not making jokes about this. <laughs> this sound... It is like... Fan fiction that's uh, like someone's rough draft fanfic animated. Yeah. And so then we get to the part in the third episode where everyone is on a beach and Himiko 6. Yeah. Himiko 6 demons on the party. They're in Stephen King's Under the Dome somehow for some reason. Fight And then they fight a bunch of ogres who have pubic hair. Yes. It's very strange. But this fight is pretty cool. Best animation of the series. Hands down. Great fight. Like, Jet actually clapped when Jet killed a guy with the thrusters from his boot by, like, kicking him in the face and then burning his face off. Or, like, yeah. the, they made the dumb Albert laser hand pizza cutter cool. Or there's a lot. Or, like, a... And then there's also the part where Albert, like, launches a guy off his knee with a missile into the air and blows him up. Sick as hell. Cool fight. And, like, they actually yeah. make it. It's the only time accelerator accelerator mode is cool. Who knew you just had to show it, like, Dragon Ball Z instant transmission and it would be cool. Spoilers, everyone. We did see a little of that in the series. It was usually just to show accelerator fights around normal people, though. Yeah, but... Well, that doesn't really help set the speed scale, right? Because the speed Fair. scale is set when there, it's one guy with it fighting a guy without it. That would have gone a long way, having that be the established pattern, to making the two people doing it seem cooler. Yeah, I get you. So, eventually, all of the demons come back to life after they've been defeated and this is when nobody has <laughs> oh. any powers anymore by the way i do want to call out uh shout outs to pudma whose power is kids swim good so to let pudma do anything they have to push a bunch of them off a cliff into the ocean so pudma can shoot them a couple more times <laughs> i i think you'll like what they do with him in the series in like the real version what happened to his scales? 
well, this is not the same canon as the old stuff. You just, you just told me it was. No, that's the thing. This is supposed to be the real versions of the cyborgs, and that didn't go down the same way Ishinomori wrote it, remember? <sighs> yeah, I don't know why. Uh, the dub is especially guilty of it. It basically tries to say, actually, these are the same cyborgs you've seen, despite them being redesigned and this whole thing taking place in an alternate timeline. But and it's they like, have different outfits. They have the blue. Yeah. Which is cooler, yeah. I think. The, the, the I, scarf looks better like off the blue, I think. The red scarf, yeah. Yeah. And so everyone gets wrecked. They have no powers. Himiko is gloating that she's won. And Why this do they is have when powers the... to begin with when every weapon on Earth has been disabled? And then also the weapons on Earth are suddenly re-enabled. It... It's yeah. weird. And this is when the astral form of Ivan Whiskey begins floating around in front of them and saying, Actually, you're all psychics and you have more powers than you know. Mm, not how robots work. No. So, all of them get a giant power boost at this point. Do we want to go through these? Sure, because I was unable to follow almost all of them. Alright, so I'm just going to go two through nine. Jet now no longer needs to use his jets to fly, which <laughs> is weird because they keep animating him with the jets. He likes it. Um, Yeah, I, I think he does. <laughs> like maybe maybe you can say he can just make tighter turns since it's psychokinetic. I don't know. Um fuck. Francois now has ultra hypersonic senses, which allows her to see things that were hidden from her by Himiko. That's basically her only upgrade. It kind of sucks. She does say I can see the future now, which is funny. But she says that before the power up. What? Yeah, remember? She says no, that when they're appearing on the beach. I don't remember yeah, she any says of this, that... and I watched it eight hours ago. She says that when they're all meeting on the beach prior to the Oni. Okay, fuck off. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't know what that line is. Um, Albert now has a laser hand instead of a gun hand, and it fires off fucking homing be beacons. It's wild. It's cool. Like you see, you see lasers come from off screen over Francois' head and start dancing around, following a guy to kill him. And he just looks at his hand and is like, "Oh, huh." Uh, let's see. Next is oh, Albert without his shirt is gross, and we forgot to call out that GB's transformation for the be beach fight is transforming into what if GB was a JoJo. Yes, he, he does a lesser <laughs> version of the Attack on Titan giant thing here, but he just gets swole and starts wrecking men. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, G Jr., we don't actually see what he does. He just, like, hits harder, I guess. It's kind of weird, because all he does is punch the ground and an earthquake happens, but I kind of think he could do that already. I think he has, like, maybe, like, nature power, maybe, like, druidy stuff, I guess. That would that be that how I would lean into that stereotype track. if I'm him. You know, that would track with where the actual series went. We'll get there. 
Oh no, um, he's a druid now. Yes. Yeah. Um GB can now possess people rather than just transforming. Yeah. Okay. Is that what that was? That was extremely okay. unclear. I'm going to I'm going to hold off on that. There's more explanation to that that gets explored, but in this <laughs> OVA? Yes. So, since I forgot to actually say this during the recording, I'm doubling back and adding it in here for context. Uh, GB, during the part where they all become assholes, learns in the finished version of this arc that he can not only possess people, he can actually start, like, cloning himself, making people into him. He has control over genetics now. He does this to a whole town, just makes, like, doppelgangers of himself just to see what his powers do. It's pretty good body horror content, and if you like that concept, there's a very good recent Marvel Comics miniseries called Carnage USA you might want to look into. Okay, so what uh, happens is there's an ogre holding another ogre behind the back. It talks in GB's voice to Chang and says, light them both on fire. Chang says, don't worry about it. Both the ogres burn to death, but as one is burning to death, it fades out and then fades back in and GB is there, leading you to think that he could maybe phase through dimensions for some reason now? Yeah, they don't explain it at all. He just basically says, I think I possessed him? It's weird. <laughs> Chang, they don't explain it in this. He's just suddenly making, like, fire dragons instead of being a flamethrower. He now has full pyrokinesis. Which is sick. Uh, similarly, Punma now has, like, basically the water version of that. I don't know what the... Hydrokinesis? Hydrokinesis. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He starts then the popping fi- men with water pressure. Then the fire international attacked. Ah, <laughs> uh, the reds. <laughs> Remember, he's Chinese. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Joe now has the ability to do two things with his accelerator. A, he can slow down people around him as sort of or an inverse hyper- accelerator. Or hyper-age them. Yes, or he could just make things crumble to dust around him. I I don't know how you get there from that being an extension of going fast. My dude has become the hyperbolic time chamber. It, mm. Yeah. And so they all teleport up to... We, a thing that has been shown through a couple of international forces looking around, like, as the Himiko crisis escalates is one of Japan's islands disappeared. And Francois' new senses now mean she can see it. It is floating in the air. It is covered with Moai statues and the angels, and Himiko is using it as a battle fortress. And everyone teleports up there. And the final thing we hear is Gilmore pleading for Ishinomori to write them out of this predicament as it goes to black. <sighs> so, again, 
at least some of the staff thought, okay, we'll get to come back to this and finish it. This is just a teaser. That's all. We don't have to do, like, that's what we're doing here. That's bullshit because people had to pay for it. Yes. And again, that final fight, DVD only. Never aired on TV. So the ending they imply at the back end, the framing device is that they're like locked in some sort of eternal battle with Himiko, keeping her from fucking up the world, but unable to leave in some time bubble is like my impression of the ending. I could definitely see that read, but that doesn't work either because they're robots that need maintenance. But now they're not. They have they have non cyborg bodies. It's oh a God. thing. What? Okay, whatever. Fuck off. Yeah, you 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 didn't recall Albert's thing about now that I don't have this machine body, I feel the hatred lift from me. No, because we looked at him in the mirror and he looked like a monster. Well, yeah. Now that now that they all got powered up, they're not they're not machiney anymore. They're like part god. That's. I hate that. All right. I yeah. So do I. That's the whole point! So, yes, yeah, um, a, a terrible thing about this, especially airing directly after the Yomi arc is, right after the whole upgrading Punma into a Sahagwin without consent is god-awful, Gilmore, <laughs> Ivan forcibly upgrades all of them into sicker weapons. <laughs> oh my god. Like... At least with Gilmore, you could say he was trying to keep the man alive and made the better body. Ivan just goes, what if you could all kill God? <sighs> so that's that's the anime we covered today. That's the end of the cyborg soldier team working on anything. Ten years after this OVA... Joe Onodera finally begins publishing the God's War story in 2012, and two of Ashinomori's former assistants draw the manga adaptation. Despite both coming from those light novels, the manga diverges in places, and the novels are way, way hornier and gorier and trying to lean into grimdark. The fact that I can tell you there's a debate over whether Francois fucking a dude is fully consensual says a lot. Yikes. Another incredibly tasteful move in the novels is that Onodera keeps the framing device going, and so every chapter, Gilmore or Ivan is jumping back to talk to a more and more aged and sick Ishinomori going, Okay, but save us, and without ever letting on, because you're going to be dead in like five days. We go up to the month he died in January 1998 with them pleading with this guy. Mm, what if I told you that generational wealth might be bad? It creates a lot of entitlement. I kicked it out of this, but I feel this is probably a time to point out that this was a period where Ishimori Pro, the production company that has all the licenses to Ishinomori's work, had a very bad set of years around this period, and I think a lot of that is that Joe Onodera was at the helm and getting to make decisions like this before people reined it in. Imagine thinking that the... that, like, artistic work is genetic, and that a ch that you're, you're qualified to do this because you're related. 
I mean, we have brought up the Herbert boy before. Oh my god. Look, just because it had worked out that one time does not mean it works out. Or mm. I would say, see the love the... history of monarchy. All I'm going to say. Uh, literally the only time I can think of where this worked, in my opinion, is Joe Hill is a better writer than his dad, Stephen King. But he made sure to get out there under a different name rather than being the King Boy for his first few works. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the giant difference. So, yeah. It, um, it's like a clear... It's so disrespectful. Yeah. Oh, shitting all over the will is a giant... Like, that's insane to me. Because that story wasn't out the last time I looked any of this up. And it's like, oh. Oh, wow. Just like the level of hubris and not caring. Like, your father... Like, disrespect... Disregard the father aspect, even. Like... Somebody made the artistic work that they wanted to make and called it good. And then you're like, I want to make money off this. And other people don't like it, even though this was their artistic vision. So, fuck them. Yeah. Uh, it's vile. By all, it is. By all accounts, if you are going to read the 2012 God's War you should read the manga because uh, because it tones down some of Onodera's writing and because his former assistants worked on it, it's, it's said to be a more respectful take on the basic plot. But none of these have ever been in English that I've seen, not even fan subs. That's a bummer. So, I know, I really would like to see especially the angels part of this arc, because let, let's just break this down bit by bit. Angels, demons, battle with the gods. Okay. The Ivan comes back in time, tells Ashinomori the cyborgs were real people, their stories are from the future. It would be great if you could write us a happy ending. We then cut to eight arcs in order from 02 to 09, following the real people in like the 2010s, and so Jet is now a private detective in New York, and his arc is he's investigating a cult because a young woman has lost her brother to this, and she suspects that he was sacrificed. They're running it out of a skyscraper. It's basically a murder mystery noir with elements of weird supernatural shit, where at the end, a cyborg which it turns out this cult was made by some ex-Black Ghost people. This is basically the only time Black Ghost comes up. They made a cyborg called the God of Gods that turns on them, destroys the place, and vanished. And Jed is just like, well, I guess I closed my case. That is way above my pay grade. <laughs> Francois. Okay, Francois' chapter is one of the two really really controversial ones because they give her a new love interest called Alain, who is an archaeologist that she has been fucking because she and Joe have had some kind of unknown reason for splitting. And so 
she's dating. Uh, they start discussing these things that they call OO parts or out of place artifacts that are in storage. And like, it's a weird mystery at this museum. Eventually there is a UFO and this is where Francois gets kind of drawn back into things because two Allens appear, one of them turning into a demon, one of them turning into an angel, fighting each other in their fucking living room while Francois is investigating one of these weird artifacts. And then the Holy One flies off thanking her for her help, and she's just left in this ruined room going, what the fuck? <laughs> Because her lover just turned into two men. The two wolves inside him started fighting in real life and then fled. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the duality of man, I see. Albert's story is that he... Please, please be truck driving. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pull up... Here's here's the first two sentences of the summary I found. Like, the best summary I could find in English of all these chapters. Albert Heinrich is seen shooting at the moon in anger after a massacre that had occurred in a village. Two days prior, we flash back to him driving a truck and reminiscing about his past. <laughs> Thinking about all the other truck driving accidents he's been in? Yeah. Um, the my massacre dude... was him driving a truck through a village. Uh, actually, you're not wrong, because he gets involved in this, like, this remote village, and they, some of the people here are like, oh, you're a cyborg, and cyborgs aren't a known thing in this timeline, so they're like, uh, the fuck you know? And so he gets wrapped up in, uh, Kromkrak, a Celtic god, arises from this place Fuck off. which is actually one of the people who knew he was a cyborg god's appearing is sort of a build-up in this angel's arc like everyone involves themselves with one or more some of them get killed some of them go off to be part of the later story but basically everyone is stuck with having the life they built for themselves kind of ruined and dragged back into this um, so he, you know, can't save these people in this village when a guy turns into a giant serpentine god and, like, takes everyone's souls as tribute and flies off towards the moon, leaving Albert to just kind of scream. Zero Zero Five actually becomes a dude who is hunting down poachers in the jungle. He decides to straight up protect the rainforest by force. So he's just living in the Amazon. I was going to say, I don't know who that is, but then you said in touch with nature, and I'm like, oh, I got it. Yeah. Uh, so he is having, and again, a little more of this happens in the manga. They cut it in the anime because it's like, mm, not so sure about that in 2000. He's having a lot of communing with the earth, talking with spirits. He really is just a straight up druid living in the land. And so... His whole thing is he's trying to wreck this group of gorilla poachers who are kind of his equal in terms of tracking and things. And then it turns out that they're doing this because the leader of this band of poachers was possessed by the Incan god Kukulkan, 
who Fuck Geronimo managed. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the whole thing is the spirits actually decide to side with G Jr. rather than Kukul Khan, consuming him in an inferno and leaving him alone in the jungle. Oh my god, dude. I'm I'm summing these up in very brief, but like these were full little arcs each character got. Some of these sound better than others, but yeah. Most of these sound like a mistake. Shang has lost his restaurant in Shanghai, and he's just journeying into the mountains with a pig. <laughs> okay, move it on. Uh, a guy walked into his restaurant before it closed down, and like he seems to be from a hundred years in the past. He looks like he hasn't aged a day. He's confused by modern life. And Chang's like, my dude is from Shangri-La, and I bet their food is fucking delicious. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> Sorry, also, I can't hear Chagra Law without immediately the initial D song playing in my brain. Yes. So my dude drifts a pig up this path trying to find the city, and he does. He gets there. And so Chang ends up getting involved in Shiva being trapped in this place, which is how no one was aging. But he wanted to know the secret, so he opened the door, and he has allowed the Destroyer out. And he's basically left alone in the ruins of Shangri-La at the end, in the snow, going, What the fuck do I do? And a Yeti just shrugs and walks off and leaves him alone. But was the food good? The food was good. He actually uh, murders someone by tipping over a massive wok of soup and boiling them alive. Jesus! It's the most Canadian OSHA ad. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, GB has become an alcoholic actor. And, you know, his whole thing is that. Become. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But basically the moment we saw during the OVA where he's like actually wrecked on stage and melts because he's passed out drunk. That's the sort of thing he's at. Okay. But he gets dragged into. An entire theater troupe has just fucking vanished during a dress rehearsal. And he's like, well, that seems like some weird shit. I want in. So they they have been creating this weird devil's play that they were rehearsing, and then everyone got swallowed up. So GB puts together a crew. They're trying to trace down what happened. They're trying to recreate the play. And the whole thing gets to the point where it's like, oh... GB is trapped in this play now at the end of the story because he's just recreating parts of the earlier thing, but, like, some of the actors are just ghosts whose eyes are glowing, and that's where he's left. You know, my number one thing I'm looking forward to one day when people are vaccinated is going back to watch more children's theater productions because children's theater productions are a very special form of entertainment where you can both watch a play and have a lot of good laughs at just how bad it is. So, this one I think you'll like. Punma's story, he does have the scaly skin and everything from that last arc. But, you know, he can cover it up. He wears suits for that. He makes he has started, jewelry with it. He has started working for NASA. 
Okay. And, like, they literally send him out into space to look for signs of life because my dude does not need air the same way everyone else does. If we can just give him something to eat and sustain him, he's great. So he's oh. basically... Punma is basically Dave Bowman in 2001. And the isolation means that this whole thing is kind of introspective with him sort of like covering what came after the Neo-Black Ghost arc, after he was, you know, no longer as human, what what he had to go through. It's a whole growth thing. And then he gets to the part where they find pyramids in space. Oh my god, dude, please. And that's when, like, suddenly weird sea creatures, octopi, aliens, whatever, are coming out of these. So it's like, this whole thing is a weird trip through our solar system with all kinds of ancient aliens and life from Mars. Why couldn't it just be the serpent from the other story that went to space? Because they all see a different god. Okay. But, yeah, uh, anyway, he ends up destroying all of Martian civilization, trying to stop this creature that's out in space. And as he's returning to Earth, he feels the presence of the thing, and he's like, this is not done. Okay, well, that first part sounded good. I have to tell you right now, I am extremely unenthused by, like, the weird god thing. This is the good part. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Alright, fuck me up, fam. Here we go. Joe's is basically just the Hisui and Himiko thing, and that's what kicks off the whole thing in the world. They find the Moai, she's possessed. Uh, in the light novel, it's way more explicit that Joe has been fucking Hisui, which is great. You know, the daughter who's, like, underage and everything. Yeah, that's cool. So... My man's got CTE from jumping off cliffs. <laughs> Um, the version that ends the Angels chapter in the light novels, Gilmore appears in January 1998, where we're being told Ishinomori's health is so bad, his right hand no longer works. He's preparing letters to send to people after he dies. Why would you and put Gilmore, that in there? And Gilmore shows up and is like, hey, have you found an ending yet? Come on, man. Come on. And then Gilmore vanishes in the middle of this plea with Ashinomori being like, eh, I guess I can write something. And that's just the last we see of that. Oh, my God. It's literally my dad's deathbed. He was being harangued by visions. So that's the angel's arc. Then comes demons, where we cut to the future and worldwide catastrophe kicks off. A giant tsunami strikes Tokyo, and following in the wake are Oni and what are only described in the summary I saw as demonic crocodiles, all of which cripple or murder the team. I Bits of eat. Go for it. On. Nothing. Just regular crocodiles. Pretty spooky already. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if it's not like the Oni or a reference to Japanese folklore. Something about these crocodiles is a reference that just the guy who translated this didn't get. Because they just say demonic crocodiles all over the notes. That rules. 
It does kind of own. That's but, much better. Like, there's just the crocodile from Annihilation. Yes! Dude, that would be so sick. <laughs> um, Everyone on the team gets crippled or murdered. Like, literally, they're carrying bodies out of this. Jet loses half of his fucking form. Um, And they get back to Gilmore's mansion, where the doctor upgrades them all. Again... It's the exact same thing with Punma, but this time it's totally cool because everyone wants to live rather than being made into better weapons. Literally everyone gets gun hands out of this. Okay. And most of them look way less human. It's explicitly, what if the Punma thing, but we're cool with it. This is where Ivan unlocks their new powers in the story, where they take on the blue uniforms with red scarves. And this whole chunk of it is just some SMT shit as they retake Tokyo from the demon army that's conquered it with Himiko at the head. But it's 2012. People have phone cameras. Their assault and, like, retaking the city makes it onto social media, and suddenly the eight cyborgs are some of the most famous heroes on the planet. The fact that cyborgs exist is common knowledge and all of them become miserable, twisted wrecks of themselves. And this is so extreme. These are all things that happen. Francois cuts out her new robotic eyes. Chang, now one of the most famous men in the world, decides that he should become a fucking larcenous kleptomaniac arsonist. G. Jr. Carry on. G Jr. literally rips an ape in half in the jungle during his conservation projects. Yeah. And Jet just shoots a cop with his own gun in the street. Fucking saluting so hard right now. <laughs> this whole segment is like fame has gone to their heads, but it's like, what are these examples? That seems kick ass, to be honest. Somewhere in this chunk is where Albert has Gilmore install a nuke in him. Hell yeah! That, I mentioned that, because that's going to be out, plot Kojima. relevant. <laughs> like, this is literally, all of them are in new, less human bodies. They can't hide among humans now. Francois is the only one who has a reaction that you would expect from that. Everyone else is just like, let's get buck wild. Okay, look. That sounds great. It's definitely a thing that I would love to see more context on, because this summary sounds insane. Much like the final chapter where we get to the battle with the gods. So, all the gods we saw in the prior chapters who were not killed... <laughs> come. Oh, I see you read ahead. <laughs> I see you right ahead. Peace out, dude. Dude, you read that. Read that out loud. Go ahead. <laughs> Give me a second. Oh my yeah. god. I'm actually like I'm leaving very this... right headed. Okay. I'm leaving this in because that was the response I was hoping for. Okay. Ugh. Finally, we come to the battle with the gods portion of the story, and all the gods, and many more we haven't seen, make an assault on man. Every description I can find of these segments sounds buck wild. Actual quotes, 
005 loses his right leg to Jesus. 007 loses his left arm via Buddha's finger laser. It's 002's lower half is disintegrated by Jesus's halo. Yes. Like, Buddha and Jesus are a tag team that fucks up the cyborgs. Dude, that's like an alternate Asura's Wrath is what that sounds like to me. During this part, everyone dies. This is when Albert detonates the nuke in him. And with the aid of the smoking gun from the very start of this, the God of Gods cyborg that Jet saw inside the Black Ghost cult building, as well as G Jr.'s connection with the spirits, they all form a godhead, again, incredibly SMT, and scourge the planet of life. This is where we find out there are two universes, one made of light and peace, and one made of dark and bullshit. The latter attacked the former, and so they built a middle ground, a blue planet that can act as a prison for these mirrored souls, tying them into one body. That's right, every human is a prison for souls, and when we die, both halves of us go back to their initial planes. Oh, I see. Interesting spec script for Bayonetta 3. Yeah, when you were talking earlier about the duality or the angels versus demons. Like yeah, remember when Francois <laughs> when Francois guy turned into two wolves? That's part of this. Oh my god, dude. That's fucking Yes. This sounds like it kicks ass, dude. This sounds insane on a level that I want to see in English someday. It sounds like a terrible Cyborg 009 story, but Yeah, but it sounds I... like a good story. <laughs> It yeah, it sounds at least like I'd have a wild time reading this. So yeah, Earth is destroyed. Give me an audiobook, my guy. I know, right? And everyone is freed. The final thing we see is presumably the world of light, where various like rebirths of our cast are finally having lives without battle. Yeah, Kirby is There's... there, we get it. Yeah. There's a little weirdness, like I don't know if it's a translation thing or maybe this differs between manga and light novel where Ivan might be Joe and Francois's biological kid. It's there's some oh argument God. about the translation. Yeah. And okay. finally. Yeah. Wait. Is this how sure. Devilman ties in? You could read it that way. Okay. If you know your Devilman, which I think you do. No, you know I only know ev- Devilman Crybaby, so, okay. but I can understand how you could get there to that connection from this, from this two worlds thing. So, here's the thing. Every Devilman story ends in some form in the way Crybaby did. I'm going to be vague about that, because I know some of our listeners haven't heard that, but I know you know what that means. Ah. Oh. Zero zero nine versus Devilman is going to end in that same way. Hell yeah. Yes. So get ready for that. Cause it is technically a zero zero nine and a Devilman story. But that's it. That's where the God's War story ends. Everyone has their human lives reborn, finally free of conflict. 
Yeah. That was the last. That's so bleak. Because. Yes. Because the original message is peace is something that you have to make. And this presents a vision where actually we tried that in peace as impossible only through complete annihilation can some of the complete annihilation of the human race can peace be achieved for someone else. Yeah. Joe Onodera would proceed to write. I think he actually wrote before this God's War came out. One other thing using his father's licenses, which was a very bad common Rider reboot attempt that was never mentioned again and also mishandled all of his father's work's themes. And this yeah. is around the time where the whole production company that was handling the licensing that he was part of collapses. So there were this attempts to get American message. This is like yeah. Elon Musk. Like this is like people who see Parasite and think the family is the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing causes a collapse. Interestingly enough, I'm going to tell you something. What if I told you there was a standalone film from the writer behind Ghost in the Shell standalone complex adapting 009 into a one-off movie in the modern day? That with pretty good. Uh, the Re-Cyborg 009 is one of the worst things this franchise ever did because it basically does the exact same thing the God's War OVA did and ends on no conclusion. Boo. Yup. Uh, so it has a sick soundtrack. I will give it that, but do not watch it. It's pretty bad. And... That's basically where everything landed until 2020, where, you know, Bagoo Parts Delete is out right now, and I can't speak to it because it's still ongoing. But 009 has a rough period after this OVA, where the only things that get released under Ishinomori's licensing are that movie I just mentioned, the CG stuff that's currently on Netflix in the U.S., a couple years back, there was the 009 Devilman OVA, which isn't really 009 because it's still kind of a weird crossover mashup. Although I think you're going to love part of it. And there was also an adaptation of the sexy Cold War spinoff of this series, 0091, where during the East versus West conflict, what if we made all the cyborgs sexy women who could be sex assassins? Hell yeah. It's less interesting than it seems. and That was uh, an if ironic you were worried, hell yeah. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say, if you were worried about Francois' consent issues in this story, what if everyone was that? I'm good, bro. I'm, I'm already watching The Americans. I'm good. Yeah, The Americans is a better version of that. Also, yo, do you know how hype I am that Carrie Russell is headlining the next Fulbright game? I don't know who Carrie Russell is. She's Elizabeth on The Americans. Okay. She's a very Sorry. good actor. I'm partway through season two. I don't know anything about it. Oh, shit. You haven't seen her really go off yet. Okay. No. The, the, oh, the colonel was so hype. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, I think you will enjoy that series in the way I did. That's one of my favorite shows of all time. 
So, you know what? I'm going to rewatch Be the Beginning because, well, I don't think it's in- this is admin stuff that we're going to cut and then I'm going to wrap back to sure. Cyborg 009 because, you know, I have the brain derailment disease. Uh, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to rewatch that and consider it for like a future show pick because like I don't think it's incredible, but it is just a good anime we could watch that I am fond of. It's kind of like it starts off very detective-y, like never hitting the highs of Death Note, that kind of thing where you're following L and then it devolves into there's like magic half crow people from like an anime trauma, like experimentation orphanage, Mm -hmm. but it is at least fun and it has like fun anime fights. It is something that we could be generically positive about while having structural criticism of where the structural criticism does not have to, detract from every single episode like it did here i get that um so back to cyborg 009 yeah this is kind of a i'm very bummed out by this because i can see that there are could be potential for very good stories but they only exist in a manga, and it seems like it's every adaptation is a failure. Yeah. I keep hoping there like, will be. I wouldn't the be good upset one. about Computopia if Computopia was one issue of a manga and not one forty second of a bad, poorly paced anime, right? Yeah. Oh, also. Uh, this does remind me, I was just going to bring this up at the start, but I forgot. So, a few weeks ago, free anime streaming service Retro Crush, which puts up a lot of out-of-print or lost U.S. releases that nobody wants to do physical on anymore, put up this series. And what I discovered is they put up the Japanese television version of it, so... I finally got to see the broken version of The Demon Awakened. I understand why they blew an entire week redoing that episode now. What is The Demon Awakened? That's the second to last episode of the show where uh, everyone is being broken out. Joe is rampaging in the hypnotized haze towards the temple. All that, like, basically the thing before everyone goes to heaven and fights God in the statue. Wait, uh, is that by the end part, of oh 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 is that part two of this OVA series we watched? No, no, last week stuff. The the Yomi arc, the second to last episode. I, I'll be honest, I have forgotten already. It's the one that ends with the lizards and the black ghost drones fighting oh. in the sky <laughs> at the end. Oh, yeah. the good one, a cool one of the cool episodes of the show. Okay, dude, the original cut of that is so amazingly bad. I see why they spent a whole week redrawing it. Yikes. By the end of the episode, the lizard mouths literally never move. They're only shown in stills of identical dudes on screen. There are some people that are like, gif drag across the screen animated. Oh my god. It's it's very clear that some scenes have not been shaded to the degree of others. 
and it's real clear in one where they're flashing back to earlier in the arc right next to new footage. Oh, dude, some of this God's War stuff was unbelievably rough on the Blu-ray. Like, the unbelievable yeah. amount of, like, turn on anti-aliasing, bro. Probably the worst shot, though, is the one where it's very clear that they just used a background, which is just GB's blank face, and only a sketched-out version of his eyes and mouth are moving. Or there's there's a there's that one like half finished drawing of G Junior. Yes, G Junior looks really weird in this OVA because they're doing the- something with his eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really hard to put into words, but it looks incredibly unnatural after. 48 episodes of seeing his design in the series it also it looks like a ps3 game put on like a wii game put on a 4k monitor like it's clear that this is not like hand drawn and it's a digital effect and the jaggies are so bad on his eyebrows yeah and it's just his eyebrows like not all of him looks this bad which is why it's so it's like they decided also his facial lines too are like CG because they're also anti-alias. They're they're like jaggy as fuck too. Yeah, but the eyebrows are the ones that really look bad because it's like those have a blend on them. This is just a void on his head. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. They give him this it, weird unibrow. Shout outs to how they hard cut to like the worst drawing I have ever seen at the credits. Yes, yes. I thought, I thought that my disc had lost bitrate for a second before I went, wait, this isn't streaming. That wouldn't happen. Yeah, this is the worst art you've ever seen. We were joking about there's a picture of Francois in the third ending to the series that looks like a a body horror thing. It's so weirdly colored and they're scrolling across it. This is Super Saiyan Joe blown out with like bloom filters all over him and it doesn't move it's unbelievable and then you just listen to an awful song play over it for a minute yeah also that horrible intro oh you mean the one where just the bad ds9 intro cutting through our solar system yeah yeah (laughs) what a what a disaster i don't look if I was not partially in charge of this network, I might have pulled a mat and said, I don't need to talk about this. <laughs> if you guys both left me here to describe this, God help you with what you would have been left with, because I <laughs> reined myself in. Yeah, this God's War is probably one of the single most cursed things I've ever seen in anime. And not in like, bro, this is so cursed. I mean, like, It failed at every level it was ever attempted over and over and over in such a wild way. Well, so here's the thing. Like, the narrative presented in the OVA adaptation could be good. Like, I I really think that just cutting it down to Hikomi or whatever her name is and omitting all that other shit has, like, a lot of potential. Right? Like, you could do the other cyborgs' arcs, but not the part where they fight a god. 
right? Like Chang going on a mountain expedition or whatever. All that stuff yeah. could be in there. And you have a potential for like a really good arc that I would have enjoyed a lot. But this ain't it, bro. No. It sounds like none of it's it. I I do want to read this someday. I do want I want to read the novel. I would be curious to see if we like I don't actually know what the hell the state of the licensing is outside of Japan right now on anything to do with Harmony Ishimori Gold. Pro. Uh yeah, thankfully there's none of that. <laughs> Although I think they did I think they did dub one early th- like they tried to bring it over. There's like footage of it. I might be mixing that up with some Gachamon research I did recently. It's a thing. Um, I don't want to know. G-Force, do you recall that from being a kid? Nope. Okay, then yeah, maybe you never saw Gachamon. I was busy having sex and watching SWAT Cats or whatever the fuck that was called. SWAT Cats actually kind of owns, I'll give you that. Yeah, it does! 9-11 happens in every episode, that show kicks ass! And I would recently find out, thanks to another animation podcast, that because those guys lost the rights to their creation when they did it, they went independent. And that's why there's never been a SWAT Cats revival. The creators refused to come back, and so they started making their own stuff under a banner that let them keep rights. Uh, I looked up what they went on to next, and it's actually pretty good stuff. Let me find it. You know, things that surprisingly are cool to think about but would probably be bad to watch is Magus XLR. I have definitely heard that before. I have I have seen a bunch of it, and I bet you it would be horrible to watch again. But I like the idea that a dude builds a mech in his backyard and just has his shitty Ford truck as the cockpit. That's the best. So... The SWAT Cats guy went on to, or worked on at the same time, The Pirates of Darkwater, which was another show that was pretty cool, grimdark stuff with story, actually. Um, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, which you might also remember had some SWAT Cats vibes. I have never seen that. I'm not a cartoon guy. Got it. Um, Disney's like, Doug. I, I do not... I'm not interested in animation as an art form unto itself. Got it. This this is more me, then. Uh, well, I guess we knew that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then he became part of the team that basically did the Scooby-Doo Renaissance and pushed for Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, the series that asked, what if the monsters were real and these people had actual internal lives? Scooby-Doo is Zombie Island is kick-ass. Yeah, that was him getting to go back to Hanna-Barbera and go, what if we just turn everything on its head? Also, the new Scooby-Doo is pretty kick-ass, having watched a bunch of it with my child. Spoiler? Pretty much every Scooby-Doo since 2000 has been good. Pretty much. There's some exceptions, but... I'm just thinking about... um shaggy and that that shaggy model in that uh dbz behind the back fighter love to watch shaggy go super saiyan nice 
<laughs> also thinking about that LST where I had installed a bunch of Final Fantasy 15 mods and forgot about it and was extremely confused by how Noctis was shaggy and Donald Duck was there. <laughs> it made yeah, that that's a intro, wild twist. It made that intro incredible. I would imagine. Actually, Shaggy was Ifrit, so it's just like Shaggy on a throne throwing fireballs. Yo, I am into that. <laughs> I am so cool. into that you don't even know. It was awesome. Uh, <sighs> all right, well, but that that is it for this season of Boku no Stop. In a little bit of time, again, scheduling will vary. Our patrons will at Tentacle.pro. Three bonus episodes for this season. Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, 009 vs. Devilman, and Shaolin Soccer. Hell yeah! Pay me, bitch! And then we will be back on this feed in a little while with a new season, Monster. If you pay us, you're in our Discord, and I already linked a torrent for you. <laughs> Incidentally, I will throw out there that... If they ever do an anime adaptation of the author of Monster, Naoki Urasawa's other work, Pluto, we are covering that on a bonus because it is basically, I just realized thinking about this, the good version we both want of Cyborg 009. You know what we could watch, too, in the future, hmm. if it, when it finishes up, is uh, the Cartoon Network Uzumaki? Ooh. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That w I haven't seen it. Is it out? Is it done? I don't know what the deal with it is. Yeah, we'll we'll have to figure that out later. I'm not googling that at the end of the show. <laughs> Whatever. We were googling shit the whole time. They don't know that. that they yeah, can hear your scroll wheel because but it I happens. Cut that out. It happens while you're talking. It cannot be cut out. Oh, it's just a four episode OVA. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That would okay. be a fun. Uh, that would be a fun Patreon thing. Is it done? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to find that. Uh, it will premiere in 2021 in the U.S. So. No. Oh. Also, I didn't know it was going to be entirely in black and white. That's a good choice. Have you seen that trailer? No, I haven't. I didn't know this existed oh. until a minute ago. You should see the trailer. It's uh, it's incredible. It. The reason it's entirely in black and white is because it. And I don't mean this as a slam. It is the good version of what you would want motion comic to be. It literally I am just looking looks at like this trailer now. This is good. It looks like the manga like come to animation. Not like an anime. It looks like the animated manga. Also, I'm loving this sound design. Whoever is doing the score yeah. on this is definitely earning their keep. Yeah, like, huge ejaculation noises, whatever. Also, noises. <laughs> yeah. That's some serious water pressure going on. Yeah, okay, this is definitely a thing we should uh, mess with later. Because, yeah, this looks like an interesting way to do this. Yeah, it looks dope as hell. And four episodes yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, that's that's a bonus we can do sometime. God, I wish there was... Well, no, I don't wish we had to cover Initial D because there's nothing to say about it. But man, just oh, an excuse to drop in. it would be fun! The... 
It would be fun. We could do it one season of Initial D and have a good time. Like, I don't think we need to cover things that are necessarily artistically important. And we don't have to necessarily do media criticism every time. Mostly it's just that those see like the music carries so much of that. Finding a way to discuss it would be hard. It, no, it wouldn't. You know how to use a volume envelope. You just play it the whole time. <laughs> I meant the actual. <laughs> and in this episode, it turns out he gets to the race. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly yeah. what I mean. I know what you mean. I'm just saying, you would play that the whole time. It's like how at LST, when I decided the most damning thing I could do about the Bossa Nova music was let it loop underneath our entire discussion of it. That's coming out tomorrow. Enjoy it. I will. <laughs> Though I, I'm not going to lie, it did take about 30 minutes to edit that five minute chunk. And as a result, I have Stockholm myself into liking it now. I have always been a bossa nova dude. I don't. I think it goes back to my beat mania days. That was so much oh. of that early game. <sighs> but yeah, what if we will be back? We didn't record next week. Oh no, I'm entirely down. To, well, we next could. week is LST. Well, you know what I mean. Um, if you want to take a skip week on this, I'm fine. Let's take a skip week because we're going to record two episodes of the premium feed at once. Because uh, the pl the plan is to watch um, the entire end of Stardust Crusaders, the four episodes where they fight Dio in the wrap up, and yeah. uh, we're we're definitely because I know Mark is not going to want to stop in the middle of that for two weeks, but also it cannot be a single episode because it will probably be two and a half hours long. Oh God! As someone who just finished getting the nine hours of video out, yeah, I understand. So we shouldn't have done that. The what, nine hours? Oh, did I not tell you about how the re the end of a recording was like, oh, we'll push through to the end, and then over two days we ended up doing nine hours because the end never came? Oh my god. We literally thought we had killed the final boss, and then there were entire segments of town and NPCs, and we're like, it's gotta be coming, right? It's gotta be coming, right? It what do you like mean there's another boss gauntlet? It sounds like you're describing a Trails game. <laughs> hey, guess what? It was. It was Cold Steel 1. <laughs> yes. Um, that might... So, I, it's like a year... It's at least two years away, but Ryan and I are very excited about, like, premium LST content, where we're not sure if we want to go in on something extremely long, like Trails or All of Yakuza, or just mm. become a lore podcast, because our podcast is both, like, LST, but also a lore podcast. We're way more lore-oriented than regular LST, so it could also mm. just become lore reasons where we go fucking nuts and get into, like, Assassin's Creed or the Elder Scrolls. Also way easier to research. But... I'm not sure, but it's going to be, we're going to do something wild either way, because both yeah. of those options, given that the people that Ryan and I are, is going to be insane. Yeah, there's probably a reason that you don't pull me in on that, because then it gets dark. <laughs> I got to get into this hole and research 300 hours of JRPG. It's, it's, bro, 
we are the people that finished an MMO and then said, what if we played the entire MMO over again and made a podcast about it? Uh, it has been like three months and we are level 25 and it's about to slow way down. I'm the guy who watched all of these episodes twice because I could watch the TV cut. Ah, psycho. Yep. Again, you can't give me that opportunity because then it becomes research. Well, look, I told you not to. So at this point, I don't feel bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't blame you. I'm just saying I know my personality well enough. I cannot. You're free now, Genie. I am, and it's going to be really, really nice to do the research for these bonus episodes because I just have to write up a loose skeleton and a little bit of production notes. That's it. I'm very excited to finally watch something my wife won't judge me for when we watch Shaolin Soccer. That will kick ass. It's such a good movie. Yeah. We should just talk about good movies. We should watch The Raid. (laughs) If you do that, I will get insufferable and start talking about Dread. Dread is so good. I know, I'm just saying, like, the whole Dread the Raid, one rushed out thing. Yeah. What's one rushed out? Um, so the raid started production after Dread, but it didn't have effects work. So it got pushed out before Dread did. And so it's, like, it's kind of a simultaneous thing, but there's definitely talk that they might have ripped off some stuff from the other production that had a bigger name and more buzz. And it's kind of a weird thing. Well, they're, like, structurally, they're the same movie. Yeah. And There's just talk that since one didn't have to go through the extra layers, it sort of kicked itself out Asylum style. It's it's cool. Have you not seen it? It's awesome. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm saying they're both good. There's just that weird touch of eh, that's a have Have you seen the Raid Two, which might be the greatest action movie of all time? I haven't. I've oh heard my god! Very divergent things on that one. Okay, it is. What if the raid had anime style storytelling and like over the top shit and like the final bo- there is that movie does have a final boss battle like the raid does but it is the only time in the movie where they also do wire foo and it's amazing That does sound pretty good I'm not going to lie We should watch the raid and the raid 2 next season no matter what Honestly, they would be pretty good. You know what? If we wanted to go grounded crime stories with good like, action. Bro- like Broken Angel. Like the um, like, Kurosawa, right? That would be a good well, here's, one, too. Here's my pitch to you if we're going to do the Raid and Raid 2. Make the third one Old Boy. Have you seen the Spike Lee one? I'm not going to lie. Pretty good. People want to dunk on it because it's Spike Lee. It's, it is a good action movie. It's not bad. It's just unnecessary. That's it. That's my take. I, but yeah, but there's also like, like my mom or my wife, you're never going to get them to watch a movie with subtitles. They just don't want to read for two hours. All right. So like, that, that is the thing in my right? family. I agree. Yeah. That is the audience, though. 
is people who are not gonna read, but we should do old boy. You're right. You're right. Well, yeah, I think that's a really good. Let's let's work it we out. The, we always. What if we did the things. other one? What if we did the other one? The second one. Uh, Lady Vengeance. Sympathy. F- yeah. Yeah, Lady Vengeance is probably the most palatable. Or I, I really like Lady Vengeance because it doesn't because it doesn't have a weird Korean incest at the end for thirty minutes. Also that. Uh, or we could. Ooh, ooh. What if we did? I okay. saw the devil. Ooh. Okay. Okay. The most the most grounded crime drama of these. Make Matt watch a very gory movie. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah, now that we're breaking the seal on what has to go in these patron episodes, I think we could have some real fun with this. I look, all I'm saying is that I want it to be not I want it to be like thematically similar. Yeah, I get it. Monster like, gives us a lot of room to play with. <laughs> Just start watching scrubs. <laughs> 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 you know what you know what as a stupid oh we might be on april fools maybe we i'm gonna work out the math and see what our april fools episode would be and maybe we'll do scrubs for a week as a joke <laughs> just hear Every... the first three episodes of scrubs pretend just do it sincerely no even better Every one of us just picks a random episode and book reports it to the other. <laughs> I don't know. Just, I don't know anything about Scrubs. I know I think that's one why of that the guys is gay, and I think one of them is a pretty okay person. Yeah, this might be a thing to do in the middle of Monster. I'm gonna backburner that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 